Today's part two of our series called Chasing Carrots, and what I want to do today is talk to you about the endless pursuit that many people have of chasing after money and possessions. Now, as we get started here today, let me do a little survey with those of you that are here live with us, and those of you that are watching online, you can participate as well. How many of you would say that you know somebody that is rich? Do you know anybody that's rich? Let me see a raise of hands. You know somebody that's rich? Okay, a couple people. All right, how many of you would say that you want to be rich? Let me see a raise of hands there. You want to be rich? All right, yeah, there's a couple honest people. Their hands are going up. The rest of you are liars. All right, very good. And then final question. This is a little bit more personal. How many of you would say that you are rich? You're already, you're rich. All right, all right, all right. Now, here's the, here's the deal. Many of you said that you wanted to be rich, but yet you're not currently rich. Other than rich is rich, but you know, I'm not talking about a name here. I'm talking about you, you want to be rich, but yet you're not rich. And the thing is that we have to be careful of is we can become so much like the people of our society that we're just continually chasing after money and possessions in this pursuit of what it means to be rich. And so we got to be very, very careful about that. Now, last week I gave you some statistics of what people would do in order to become famous. Let me give you some statistics of what people said that they would do in order to be rich. There was a study that was done and they said, what would you do for $5 million? Now you think about it right now. What would you do for $5 million? 54% of Americans said that they would listen to nothing but country music for the rest of their life for $5 million. 42% said that they would have all their teeth removed for $5 million. Check out this one. 50% of Americans said that they would allow one random person from somewhere in the world to die if they were given $5 million. 24% of Americans said that they would live in complete and absolute solitude for the next 20 years if they were given $5 million. That's some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, especially that country music one. I mean, how far will people stoop down for money? <laughs> or how about this? Gallup did a poll, and they asked people, at what point are you now rich? And they started out with people that were making about $30,000 a year in income. And they said, okay, what would it mean for you to be rich? And the average response was that I'd have to be making $74,000 per year. So basically two and a half times their income. So 30,000, if I was making 74,000, then I would be rich. So what Gallup did next was they went to the people that actually were making about 74, $75,000 and they interviewed them and guess what? They didn't think that they were what? They didn't think that they were rich. So they were asked, well, what would it take for you to be rich? And they said, I'd have to be making about $150,000 per year. So about double their income. So what did Gallup do next? They went to the people making $150,000 and asked them what question? Are you rich? And guess what they said? No. Now, with them, it was a little bit different. Instead of saying that they had to make more income, the people making $150,000 said that in order for me to be rich, I'd have to have $5 million in total assets. So they went from income to assets. But what I want you to think about with that is this. There are some people that are like have $2, 3000000 million in assets, but yet they think that they're poor. 
What I'm trying to get you to see is this. All of us right now, in our mind, in our heart, we have a number. And we say, if I got to that magical number, then I will be rich. But guess what? When you get to that number, there's always what? Another number, a higher number that's out there. And this is why we've got to be so careful about this endless pursuit of being rich because that's what our society is doing. It's this constant pursuit of more. We're discontent with what we currently have. And so is it any wonder that Jesus talked about money and possessions more than he talked about anything else? In fact, did you know that Jesus talked about money and possessions more than he talked about heaven and hell combined? This was a very important topic because Jesus knew if you can't get this one right, then all the other areas of your life you're going to mess up as well. And so Jesus says this in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Watch out and guard yourselves from every kind of greed because your true life is not made up of the things that you own, no matter how rich you may be. Our culture screams at you that if you want to be happy, you have to have more. You have to have different. You have to have better. But Jesus says, watch out. You got to guard yourself against that kind of thinking because life has nothing to do with your money and possessions. And so Jesus goes on then and he starts to tell this story about a farmer that has had like a record crop. He had never had so much crop in one year. In fact, he's like, I don't even know what to do with all this. What, what am I going to possibly do? And so the farmer goes, ah, I got an idea. I'm going to tear down all my barns and I'm going to build even bigger barns. And there's actually so much that harvest that has come in that I'm going to be able to store it away. I'll be able to retire. I don't need, I ever need to work another day in my life. I'm just going to take it easy. I'm going to retire. Jesus, as he goes on telling the story, says this. We read it in Luke chapter 12, verse 20. But God said to him, meaning the farmer, you fool, tonight you will die. Then who will get what you have stored up? See, this farmer had it all planned out. He had been blessed with all this, this wealth and he was just going to keep it all for himself. He was going to retire. He was going to start to you know, play some golf. He was going to take some cruises. He's just going to live the easy life. Do his own thing. God said, nope, if that's the attitude, then tonight you're going to die. And then Jesus makes the point of this entire story. Look at verse 21. He's talking to the people there and he's talking to us. He says, this is what happens to people who store up everything for themselves but are poor in the sight of God. Now I want you to think about this for a second. Who was it that made the farmer rich? Who was it? God. It was God that provided the, the crop that he had never had before, the biggest harvest that he had ever had. It was God. So was God mad at him for being rich? No. What was God mad at him for? That he was storing it all up for himself. He was keeping it for himself. He wasn't thinking about other people. That's what Jesus is trying to, to make the point to you and I as well. Is that it's okay to, to be rich, but you've got to be careful with what you do with those riches. So, 
I got two points I want to make for you today. One is good news, one is bad news. Which one do you want first, good news or the bad news? It doesn't really matter because I already know the way I was going to plan it. <laughs> I'm going to give you the good news first, right? Here it is. The good news is this. Number one, I am rich. The good news is you and I, we, we are all rich. And I know many of you don't feel that way. But let me put it into a little bit of perspective for you here today. If you're a family of four living here in Dauphin County, and you're making just the average wage, then that puts you in the richest 9.8% of families in the entire world. Let me say that again, just so it sinks in for you. If you're just making the average wage here in Dauphin County for a family of four, you're in the world's wealthiest 9.8% of people. Now, if Maybe you're an empty nester now, you know, the, the kids have moved out, it's just you and your spouse, or maybe you're like Lisa and I and you don't have kids, you're just a, a family of two, and you're making the average wage here in Dauphin County, that puts you in the top 3.3% of the world's wealthiest people. Here's something shocking, even if you make minimum wage, you're just a, a single wage earner, making minimum wage, you're still in the top 13.7% of the world's wealthiest people. Here's another way I can let you know that you're rich. If you've ever complained that your Amazon order is running late, you are rich. If today you can go to your refrigerator, your closet, and you have options of what to eat or what to wear, that makes you rich. If you drove here today in a car that you own, you are, you're rich, right? If you have a device, either at home or in your pocket, that allows you to connect to the internet, you are rich. Welcome everybody watching online today. You're rich because you're watching us streaming this. If you have somebody else who milks the cow, kills the chicken, catches the fish, or harvests the vegetables for you, then you are, you're rich. Now listen, I know some of you are going through some tough times right now. Maybe you had an unexpected health crisis, maybe you're going through a divorce, maybe you got laid off from your job, and it feels tough right now. You don't feel financially rich, but listen, as compared to the rest of the world, you and I are rich. And I don't want to diminish anything that anybody's going through, but again, you and I, let's face it, as Americans, we are rich. And just like the guy in the story that Jesus told, we can thank God for that. It's God that's provided the riches for us as Americans. You don't have to be ashamed of that in any way. In fact, here's what I want to do. With gratitude, I want you to shout it out nice and loud. This is who I am. I am? Hey, very good. Let's do it again. I am? Now let's all say it together. I am rich. I am rich. I'm rich. Online there. Say it out loud there in your living room or as you're driving down the road. Well, you shouldn't actually be watching if you're driving down the road, but you know what I mean. I am rich. Now I know there's some of you that weren't quite as enthusiastic about saying that. You found it difficult to say it because, again, you just simply don't feel rich and it makes you uncomfortable. 
But you've got to ask yourself, why? Why does that make you uncomfortable to say those words, that I am rich? I mean, look at what Solomon has to say in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19. He writes this, It's a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a what? It's a, it's a gift from God. So where does wealth come from? It comes from God. And it is a what? It's a, it's a gift from God. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. We shouldn't feel guilty about that. I mean, think about every other area of life that God has blessed you in some way. Do you feel guilty about that now? If God has given you a good marriage, a blessed marriage, do you walk around going, oh, I feel so guilty because I've got a really good marriage? Yes or no? No. If God has blessed you with health, do you walk around going, I am so ashamed that I'm healthy? Is that you? No. If God has blessed you with a full head of hair, you don't have to apologize to people like me. It's okay. God has blessed you. So why is it that when it comes to that God has blessed us as Americans with wealth, they were like, oh, I, I'm not rich. Yes, you are. You're filthy rich. And that is good news. But I told you that there's also some bad news today, right? The bad news is this. I am rich. See, it's a double-edged sword being rich. Yes, you're blessed by it. But because you're rich, that puts you at a tremendous spiritual disadvantage. You know, one day there was a guy that came up to Jesus and he was very rich, a young guy, and he's like, what must I do to be your follower? And Jesus says, well, go and sell your possessions and goods, give it to the poor, then come and follow me. But the guy was more consumed with his wealth, with what he had, than with following Jesus. And so he walked away sad because he didn't want to give it all up. And Jesus says this then in Matthew chapter 19, verse 23. He turns to his disciples after this man has walked away. And Jesus says, I assure you, it will be very hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into God's kingdom. Now, why would Jesus say that? And why would I say that us being rich puts us at a tremendous spiritual disadvantage? Well, it's very, very simple. See, you and I, we have a roof over our head. We have food in the refrigerator. We have a car that gets us from, place a, or from point A to point B. We can basically buy whatever it is that we want. And our money gives us a lot of opportunities to, to do things and to try things and go places that other people don't have that option. In fact, we're so rich that oftentimes we can forget about God completely. Let me say that again. You and I are so rich that we can forget about God completely because we don't have to rely on Him for our food. We don't have to rely on Him for our shelter. We have all those comforts right at home. And the, the, the trappings of these riches that, that come our way and the pursuit of more and more of the riches, even though we're already rich, but yet we want more and more, that can leave us exhausted and overwhelmed in the whole process. And thus, we're missing out on the most important things in life. 
mean, if you don't believe me, just go on a mission trip. I, I, I wore my, my Kenya shirt here for a reason today. I was over in Kenya last year, right before the pandemic hit. And you see things there that you go, that should not be happening on this planet. Extreme poverty. If you don't believe me, go with us next time we go down to Haiti. Haiti, the second poorest country in the entire world. And all of a sudden, you start to realize that, man, I'm rich. I may have told this story before, but I'll never forget the first time we went down our guide was sort of taking us through one of the markets and she points and she says, you know what that is over there? We're like, it looks like a cookie. And she said, yeah, it's a cookie. It's called a dirt cookie. And I was like, oh, please don't tell me. Sure enough, it's a dirt cookie. They sell dirt to eat. When you go down there to, to Haiti, you're going to see people that literally, they do not know where their next meal is coming from. You're going to be able to go over to our sister church and worship with them. And I tell you, their church is about the size of our stage here. That's their entire church, about the size of our stage. Just a little bit bigger. And it's block walls. There's no air conditioning. It's dirt floors. It's a tin roof. And when you get down there at first, you're going to feel sorry for some of those people. Because again, you're seeing things that you're like, how could this possibly be happening? But about day, usually three or four, you start to not feel sorry for them anymore. You start feeling sorry for yourself. Because you realize that they have something that you don't have. They have a joy in the midst of all of this this poverty. You know why that is? It's because they're not consumed with all the things that we're consumed of. We're in this pursuit of more stuff. We've got all this stuff we've got to, to manage. Possessions and goods and bank accounts and all. We've got all that stress and, and the pressure of all of it. And again, what our wealth does for us is it gives us opportunities to, to go places and do all kinds of things. And, and so we're constantly on the run. I got to get my kids to this, my kids to that. And I got this appointment and that appointment. We're just all over the place. And so you spend a, a week down there and all of a sudden you realize, man, I, I almost long for the simplicity of the life that they're experiencing here. So that's why I'm saying to you, it puts you at a tremendous disadvantage being rich. Because you don't have to rely on God like they rely on God. Literally, every single meal. God, please, please provide this next meal for me. When they, they pray the, the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. They mean it. You just pray it as a prayer. They actually, they mean it. But yeah, we just keep going after things. There's another thing that, you know, being rich that we may not always uh, think about. 
Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Jesus says, when somebody has been given much, much will be what? Much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Basically what Jesus is saying is you and I have a greater responsibility than the people in Kenya. You and I have a greater responsibility than the people down in Haiti. Why? Because we have been given, we've been given much. So much is, much is what? Much is required. There's more required of you and I because of the blessing that we've been given. You've heard me say this in the past, that we have been blessed in order to be a blessing. You haven't been blessed just so you can go buy bigger and newer and better. You have been blessed in order to be a blessing to other people. But you know what you and I do? We go out and we get the latest new phone. We don't need a new phone, but since one came out, then I must need it. And you and I just keep consuming and consuming. We get the latest and greatest TV. We get a brand new car, even though a used car would do. Ladies, you go out and you, you get a new outfit. And you're like, well, since I bought a new outfit, that means I got to get the matching shoes and the matching purse to go along with it. We just keep on buying and buying and buying and buying. Power tools and computer games, new furniture, sunglasses. We take our third cruise of the year. Our backsplashes, they look perfect. Our kids, they look stylish. And the reason we do this is because the culture is screaming at us that if you really want to be happy, then you need more. You need better. You need newer. I remember Jesus' words. He said, Watch out. You better be on guard. Because life has nothing to do with your money and your possessions. The problem is, you and I, we know that. We know that intellectually. But yet, we just have a hard time actually living it out. And so we just keep buying and pursuing and getting more stuff. Basically, we bought into the lie that more is better, but it's not. More money isn't going to keep your kids off drugs. More money isn't going to heal your loved one of cancer. More money isn't going to solve your depression issue. More money is not going to fix your marriage. All those things that, that money can, can buy us, those are all just temporary things. But the important things of life, money can't buy those things. We don't need more of what's only temporary. We need more of what's eternal. We don't need more money. We need more of Jesus. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 17. Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, teach those who are what? Teach those who are rich in this world. In other words, who's he talking to? Not only to Timothy, but to you and I, right? He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Now again, don't feel bad that you're rich. You are rich. Don't be ashamed of that. But again, realize that you can't put your hope and your faith and trust in your riches. You need to put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus. I also want to be clear, I'm not saying that you should never buy nice things for yourself. 
I'm not saying that you take a vow of poverty either. But ultimately, our satisfaction in life should come from Jesus and the blessing that he has given to us so that then we can in turn bless others. That's where satisfaction comes. When you're in obedience to Jesus and, and you're blessing him because he has blessed you and you're blessing others because he has blessed you. That's true joy. That's true satisfaction. In other words, it's not about you. Because to whom much is given, much is required. And Paul continues on then in verse 18, and he says, tell them, meaning the rich people, tell them to use their money to do what? To do, to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So here's my question for you. Is that you? Are you doing what Paul instructed Timothy to, to teach to others? Are you being rich by giving in good deeds? Rich by being generous to others? Or is it all about you and you're just sort of spending it on yourself? And you're in this constant pursuit of more and more and more and more, just like everybody else in the world. Today we have discovered that we are rich and there's nothing wrong with that. But again, the bad news is it puts us at a disadvantage. And so I want to have you do something here, and it's something that I heard Andy Stanley do one time. And I want you to make this sort of your prayer, and I want you to sort of make it a, a mantra of life. They're going to put it on the screen for you, whether you're here or you're watching online. Just repeat this after me. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich, but I will not trust in my riches but in Him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. Exponential again. The good news is you're rich. You are blessed. The bad news is you're rich. And that can be very, very distracting. So what are you going to do about all this? How are you going to solve sort of this problem? Well, for some of you, the, the first step is to start to tithe. Tithe simply means 10%. God said to prove that money doesn't control you, that you actually have control over money. He says, just give 10% back to your local church. The church that you uh, go to, the, the church that you're a part of, 10% of all of your income, whether it's your, your job or you get a gift or you know whatever, any income, 10% of it belongs back to God. So that's what some of you need to do. Brothers, you're already tithing. And now you need to get to the place where you're now giving. Because I've shared this with you in the past. Tithe is just returning back to God what already rightfully belongs to Him. That's the tithe. Giving starts at 11% and more. And so some of you need to learn to be generous in your giving. That Yeah, I'm tithing exponential, but I'm going to look for opportunities to bless other people. Oh, my, this person over here, they need help with their rent. I'm going to help them to pay their rent. Oh, this person over here, they need uh, help getting their, their kids the clothing to go back to school. I'm going to help them with that. Oh, this family over there, they need some groceries. I'm going to buy them their groceries. Start taking that, that money that you were thinking about. Oh, I'm getting a bigger this and a better that. 
instead of getting bigger and better, say, you know what? I don't need bigger and better. So I'm going to bless other people. Remember, though, Paul said that it's not just about generosity. It's also about your good deeds. So you have been, you've been blessed. You've got plenty of opportunities. Well, instead of going after opportunities that are going to get you more, go out and take those opportunities to bless other people. So start volunteering at a local school, helping out with the kids there. Start going with Karen and I can into downtown Harrisburg and distribute clothing to the poor and to the homeless. Give of your, your time. Be generous with your time as well. For some of you, you need to start serving here on Sundays, helping out. For some of you, you need to take your vacation time and instead of taking another cruise, instead of another tropical place, you go, what? You, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take my vacation this year and I'm going to go to Kenya. I'm going to go to Haiti. I'm going to go to a third world country. And I'm going to go there to serve, but I'm also going to go so I can get some perspective on just how blessed I truly am. Again, I, I can't tell you how much of a difference making a, a missions trip like that will be for you. Because you're not going to change what's going on there in a week's time. But what will change is you in your heart. Because you get a real appreciation for just how rich you really are. I'll wrap up today then with Jesus' words from Matthew 6, 19-21. He says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that as we're talking about these uh, carrots that so many people chase, that your word has so much wisdom on why we shouldn't be chasing after this carrot of more money and more possessions. God, you have already richly blessed us. We are rich beyond belief as Americans. And so help us to keep that proper perspective. Not to be ashamed of it, not to feel guilty about that, oh, I'm an American. No, we, we can be proud in who we are. But yet at the same time, God, help us not to store up those treasures for ourselves. Help us to realize that you have blessed us so we can be a blessing to others. And so, Lord, I just pray that for each and every person that's listening to this or watching this online, that, Lord, you would be speaking. What is the next step that needs to be taken? Is it that, hey, I'm not tithing, so I need to start tithing? Is it that I need to start being more generous instead of buying a bunch of stuff for myself? Is it that I need to start serving in some way? Do I need to take a missions trip? God, reveal that through your spirit right now what that next step is. And then, Lord, through the, the power of your Holy Spirit that lives with inside of us who call ourselves followers of you, Lord, give us then just the, the boldness and the, the courage to actually follow through with it, to take that next step. Lord, as we just saw, 
you said that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is going to be as well. So Lord, help us to just each honestly evaluate our own lives. Where's my treasure truly at? Is my treasure truly Jesus and following after him? Or have I put all my hope and faith and trust in the almighty dollar instead of the almighty God? Lord, again, any ways that we need to change our lives, don't just convict us of that, but convince us to to make that change. Thank you that your spirit does help us in that process. God, thank you that in your riches, you gave your one and only son so that we could have a life, not just eternally, but abundantly right here and right now. And Lord, as Americans, we are living the abundant life. So now help us to have that same type of sacrificial love and give and give and give and give and sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. And we know that in doing that, because much has been given to us. You said much is required. And so as we do that, we know that we can't outgive you. And you're just going to continue to pour out your blessing on us time and time and time and time again. So thank you in advance for the ways that you're going to bless us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.